Um, I'm Laura Lee Binstock, and you're listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. On my show, I've spoken to so many people who have been through some unspeakable trauma, but more than anything, they were able to get the help they needed and thrive. They became successful advocates, working to destigmatize mental illness in hopes no one else has to live with the shame of this invisible disease. And these experts and advocates thrived because many of them were also trauma survivors who were able to find their purpose after so much adversity. And they shared with others how they were able to begin their healing. My guest in this week's episode is Dr. Seku Gathers, trauma coach, entrepreneur, and host of the podcast, The Truth Prescription. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Gathers. Thank you, Laura Lee. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, you, you know, you have a very impressive list of accomplishments. I didn't have enough time to actually squeeze them all into your intro. Um, <laughs> but among the ones I've named, you know, including a former ER physician, you were, you were also sexually assault, uh, you were a sexual assault survivor who was diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. Would you mind sharing your story with me? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, again, thank you for having me. I think the work that you're doing is, is powerful, potent, and uh, survivors of any type of trauma definitely need more and as many resources as as they can obtain or receive is, is going to make it you know, better for us all. Um, right. Well, you're doing amazing work, too. Thank Let's you. Not yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, that's that's who I work with. You know, so I work with. Um, the thing about trauma that's interesting before I tell my story is that, you know, trauma really is any um, unhealed or unreconciled wound, right? So it, trauma could be a divorce, right? Trauma could be death of a loved one. Um, obviously we're talking about sexual assault, which is super traumatic, um, but everybody deals with things differently. So how one person may deal with a sexual assault may be just as traumatic to someone else who was in a terrible breakup. So, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, just know that just because maybe you weren't sexually assaulted or physically assaulted, that you could still be dealing with trauma and you may not be aware of it. Um, for me, it's interesting. So I was um, somewhere around age eight, the first time I was sexually assaulted, this was by a, a friend, and I use that in quotations, a friend of mine who I grew up with, um, and we were friends for years and well, you know, at eight, two, two to three years seems like a long time. Mm -hmm. We were friends for years and, um, you know, one night he just out of nowhere, just, you know, without getting into too much detail, assaulted me. And, mm -hmm. um, it had a very profound impact on me. I kind of just kind of closed up from that point. I didn't never, I never told anyone until I was like 26 years old. Um, and then two years later, Similarly, this was uh, this event happened with a math tutor. Um, several several encounters with you know my mom took me someplace to get uh, tutored math, and uh, there was not any tutoring happening. <laughs> so mm -hmm. eventually, um, I don't remember how I kind of got out of it, but I let her know like I didn't want to go back there anymore. But still, kind of kept it inside, and um, it really affected me. Fast forward and maybe we'll get into this later, because of kind of where I was emotionally, um, I sort of 
was working in an emergency department during my training was not really paying attention and you know, I was doing a procedure on a patient and ended up contracting hepatitis C. And mm-hmm. um, that took me on a, a whole nother path of really, um, it was really a, a godsend because it, it really forced me to make a decision. I'm gonna either take care of myself uh, or risk liver cancer and possibly death if I don't. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a wake up call when you were diagnosed with hepatitis C, was that like just kind of trauma that was kind of on top of your former trauma, on top of your former trauma? Yeah, I mean, it was an an outgrowth because I think you may know this and some some trauma survivors listening may know this. When you've experienced trauma, a lot of times you're not really in touch with your body. And... um, for me, it was not in touch with my body. I wasn't in touch with my feelings at all. And so the whole the whole idea that I'm working is two in the morning and I'm just not really present. I'm not really conscious of what I'm doing or what's going on. I'm just kind of going through the motions and, you know, just sort of very, you know. Disassociating. Yeah, you're just kind of just going through life. I was kind of just going through life. And it's interesting. I'll, it would always amaze me, like, you know, in college, I pretty much almost got a 4.0 every single semester. Med school, I did pretty well. Um, and now I'm in this training program. So by society standards, I'm doing great, right? But on the inside, I'm, I'm numb. You know, I'm just kind of mm-hmm. going through. I'm just kind of, you know, tripping along through life. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you know, on the inside, I'm not really feeling anything, but on the outside, I'm getting all these accolades, like, oh, you're doing great, fantastic, you know, you're a doctor, this is amazing, and so in that moment, I was just in another one of those, just kind of not really paying attention, just kind of going through the motions, it, you know, to give you an example, what happened to me all the time, where I would walk into a room, and I forget why I walked in the room, Mm -hmm. yeah, and again, part of that is, you know, the defense mechanism for when you survive something like that that's traumatic is just, you just kind of hide and you just kind of don't want to deal with stuff. And so you just kind of walk around and that was my experience. So in that moment, you know, I wasn't paying attention. Somebody called me, I, I placed the needle in, I took the needle out and then I just stuck myself. And I was like, shit, you know, in the moment, like, damn. And then mm-hmm. two weeks later, come to find out that, well, found out right then that the patient had hepatitis, but then later that I had contracted it. And um, so I would say that it was because of my reaction to the trauma, um, kind of how I was, that caused me to put myself in this other position where now I had to make a choice. And, you know, the choice was either, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm leaving some stuff out. I was married around this time and um, my marriage was not going well. And as you can imagine, you know, uh, as a trauma survivor, you're not really in the best place to be in healthy relationships, right? Because you mm. yourself are not really connected. So how are you going to know what you want in a partner? But mm. my marriage was was kind of toxic. And um, now I'm confronted with this diagnosis. And it's like, either you take care of yourself, or, you know, you're going to go down this other path that's not great for you. And what, what happened, so initially, I was diagnosed, I did the, I did the treatment for about three to four months. But again, I wasn't in a place where I could truly love myself and take care of myself. So I was pretty like inconsistent with the medicine. 
And my doctor said, hey, listen, your numbers are not getting any better. You're not taking the medicine because when you, the medicine makes you feel really sick. So you take mm -hmm. it and you feel horrible. You want to throw up. You know, it's, it's just bad. It's just a, a tough, a tough uh, pill to swallow, uh, pun intended. And um, what happened is about maybe a year after I initially started my treatment, my uh, liver enzymes started to get really bad. And my doctor was basically like, listen, you're going to have to go back on this treatment or you know, your liver, you're going to get cirrhosis. Your liver is going to need a transplant. So it was at that moment when I knew I had a decision to make, either take care of myself and risk, you know, basically cirrhosis and or liver cancer and death, or, you know, take care of myself. And I drew a line in the sand and was like, everything that's for me in terms of for my health and my wellness is going to be on this side. And everything that's not is going to be on the other side. And, you know, unfortunately at the time, the relationship was on that other side because it was a, it was, it was a stressor. And because of what she was going through, my wife was not able, my ex-wife was not able to be uh, supportive at all. And so um, I basically got divorced and was going, undergoing treatment and went through, a, <laughs> went through a foreclosure <laughs> all in the same like span of 12 months. So it was an oh, interesting wow. time it was a great time. Yeah, it was the time that you started healing. I think that's amazing. When you were experiencing, when you were dealing with the hepatitis C, when was it actually you decided to figure out what was happening with the ch childhood traumas of sexual assault? Probably after, well, I had been doing therapy for some time around it but my therapist and I, I get it now my therapist kind of we would talk about it but then she tried to like as therapists sometimes do she would try to minimize it and I think she was only minimizing it because there is definitely something that can happen where you continuously go back to it and almost like you just self-cut you don't really get any benefit out of the discussion you just go back have the emotions and then go back to, to normal and it's really just a like a masochistic thing that 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 we can do sometimes mm -hmm. and the bottom line is if you're stuck in the past you can't move forward so I know she was trying to get me to kind of move forward um but at the time you know it I couldn't really see it so it was really after I think the divorce that I really got serious about it because I realized that um you know I had some serious issues that I was not addressing which is around the time when I came up with the idea for the truth prescription. Well, I do want to talk about the truth prescription, but I, I do want to ask, was there anything that you felt, any therapy or treatment modality that you felt was effective in moving forward? Well, I'll say this. I did about 10 to about 12 years of therapy around this and got okay results. Um, I did do MD, EMDR, um, or spell and that helped a lot but ultimately mm -hmm. I think and it, it kind of led me into what I'm doing now ultimately what really gave me the most benefit was was getting coached I, I had six months of, of coaching um, and it was transformational and it made me realize wow okay this is a different process than therapy and it's really powerful because everything is fast everything is, is concentrated because, you know, most of the time a coach is not going to 
you're not going to work with a coach for 10 years, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a shorter engagement. And so because it's shorter, there's a lot more work that needs to get done. But I will say this, having had therapy for so many years gave me a nice foundation to be able to be successful with coaching. Wow. There's and a certain w- amount of transparency and openness and objectivity that you need when you, when you work with a coach. Was this a trauma coach? This person specifically was not a trauma coach. It, they really focused more on um, family and relationships. Wow. But um, a lot of the principles are, are, the, are, are the same. A lot of the principles are the same. Well, you are a trauma coach. Yes. Yes. Can you tell me why you became a trauma coach? Why did you choose this path? Um, because of what I experienced myself with coaching um, and already having been, a, as you mentioned before, an emergency room doctor dealing with physical trauma and also dealing with a lot of psychiatric patients, I knew that I had enough, not only compassion because I had been through it, but experience and knowledge to really help someone or invest my time and really help someone affect the change um, in their life. And um, it's super, super, super rewarding work. It's, you know, 90,000 times more rewarding than anything I've I've ever done. That's amazing. And you are a trauma coach. Um, Can you talk a little bit about Freedom Road? Freedom Road is is essentially my, um, my program. Um, you know, people when, when dealing with trauma and and I think you can relate, literally get in prison inside their own body. Um, (laughs) and my process is very couture, but generally what happens is people come to me because they have, you know, some goal they want to achieve. Um, and they know the trauma is holding them back. Uh, These people kind of like myself, you know, they may have taken medication or done therapy and had success, but. Now they're ready to kind of move on and, and do something greater, um, what I call live life with gusto. And so we work on like changing their mindset, improving their health, improving their energy. We work on certain skills that they may need to improve on. Um, their weekly assignments um, that they you know, have to complete based on the goals they want to accomplish. Um, it's hard work. Um, it's not always comfortable. Uh, but as you know, growth comes through discomfort. And, um, you know, as I always say, always, I say this to some of my clients, the price of fame is priceless, right? You, you want, if you want to be your own uh, celebrity, then you got to go through some tough, you know, some tough times to do it. And um, that's, that's what I work on. So that's Freedom Road. You know, in focusing on trauma, is there anything you felt that you learned that you did not learn about as a physician? Well, I think one, just the understanding that a lot of things can be healed without medication. I think, you know, Western medicine, we're taught basically to use surgery and pharmaceuticals as our primary mode of, uh, of healing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even psychiatrists will, will you know, they'll, 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 they'll put people on medication. There's nothing wrong with medication, but I think in conjunction, there's so many things, other modalities, the EMDR we talked about. Um, one other thing that I found to be really powerful for my clients is that I wasn't taught in medical school is the power of physical movement in the healing process, mm-hmm. yoga or certain exercises. You know, some clients I'll push, I'll have them do uh, a month of kickboxing. 
because the stuff gets again stuck you get stuck in the body and dissociated from your body and you really have to reconnect with your body to reconnect with yourself find that you know that that person again um to you know you know in order to be great to to be your greatest self yeah i feel like i feel like for 20 years i lived inside of my head yeah. like i didn't even know what was happening on the outside my husband would ask me to do something and be like yeah 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 and then he'd come home from work he's like oh did you do this and i'm like you didn't tell me to do this and he's like yeah you <laughs> said yes and i was like no and you know and then i started realizing more and more that it was just me being inside my head and just disassociating and i didn't even realize that was a thing and i did i didn't really know much about meditation i didn't meditate usually you would meditate at the end of it, like gym class. And I would be like, while we're meditating, I would be, you know, thinking about my list of things I had to do for the day because I wanted to be productive, I guess. And I thought meditating wasn't. And then, you know, when I went into treatment, I meditated every single day. And I was like, I've never felt like I can really be present in what is happening. So I, I completely 100% agree with you and just kind of, I, I was trapped in my body and I had no idea or my head or whatever it was. And I think that movement yoga was effective for me. So I completely agree. Um, you say that you discovered your truth of living your life for others and then you decided to pursue passions that you suppressed over the years. How did you come to that conclusion? So I've always been like really creative. Um, so funny story, when I was in high school, I actually had a record deal. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, I made this, I made this, I made, I made an album and I stole like a couple thousand albums in the New York City area. It was a rap, it was a rap, rap record, rap album. And uh, the record company had this deal. They wanted me to come to the, the office and show them how I would perform because like this, uh, this single's blowing up. They want to promote it. They want to send me out on shows. And my, my victimization came out and I was so afraid of showing up as my true powerful self that I ran. And it was like, my version of ghosting back then, right? Cause there were no cell phones. I just didn't call, I never went there and I never called them. You know, only, in, only communication I had with them from that time on was they sent me a couple letters and you know, some royalties, money from the, the album sales. But I knew that like, that was not that, you know, I, I have any regrets. I want to be a performer or a rap artist, nothing like that. Point is, I've always been a very creative guy, a very expressive guy. And so it, that story kind of hit me after the divorce, like, shit, don't you remember I did that? And because I, I think I came across the album on YouTube or something. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, it just makes you remember, it takes you back to who you really are. But just seeing how when the trauma happens and, and if it's not, you know, treated or if, if you haven't reconciled it or if it remains an unhealed wound, that it just affects everything you do and you're not allowed to, you don't allow yourself to be in your fullest expression. Yeah. And so after, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if you mentioned it, but since I think 2016, I've done eight short films. 
you know, I've done the podcast. Um, I'm working on a feature length film right now. So I'm way more self-actualized than, um, than I was back then. You know, I think that's, an, I, when I was, again, director, writer, producer, you know, I feel like you, again, I, it was hard to figure out what are the main things I wanted to put in your intro because you've just accomplished so much. And, you know, for me, I felt that way about a lot of things. I felt like, I, I on, to be honest, I didn't think I was creative at all. You know, I had dreams when I was younger of like, oh, you know, I remember watching like, it was, I, I like love friends, the, the show. <laughs> and um, I remember watching like the back, the, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, I used to love that stuff. I'm like, oh man, that'd be, that'd be so cool to be able to like write something or produce something. And then I settled it with like um, broadcast journalism that, you know, and I think my trauma really made me feel like I was, I was not equipped to handle, you know, um, that route. And the idea of actually writing a show is like, that would never happen. I just, it's not, not in the cards for me. Um, but as soon as the blockage of the trauma was lifted, I felt all of a sudden I was, I was connecting things and things were clicking and I was and, and, and was that what it was like for you? I mean, obviously, before you even worked on your own trauma, you were you already knew you were creative. You know, you you created a, an album. I mean, not many people can say they can they've done that. And but I guess after your trauma was unblocked or it was released from your body, it was it's like your brain just exploded with you know this po your podcast and you know writing and producing and just you know the trauma coaching entrepreneur you know it's so much and do you feel like that is that is what it could be like for so many people who are dealing with with trauma if they even know they have a trauma that is is, is kind of hindering them I'll, I'll clarify one thing you said you know i wouldn't say that i think healing is a process Mm -hmm. And if somebody was to say, hey, are you, are you 100% healed from your trauma? I would tell them, no, mm -hmm. I'm not 100% healed. Um, I don't know the percentage. I'm way, way, way better than I am. And I have a lot of clarity and I feel way more empowered than I did 10 years ago. And, and I feel fantastic. I've got tons of energy. My health is great. And I'm happy in doing what I'm doing and helping people uh, and helping people specifically in this way. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say this, so the, the trauma has, I wouldn't say it's lifted, it's just reduced significantly. Right. Um, and I don't know if you would agree with that point as well. Like if someone asked you, are you completely healed from your trauma? Would you tell them yes? No, I would, I, I would say it is a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. Right. A roller coaster. Yeah. I, don't, I don't feel there's some day, to be honest, like for the first three months, I'm like, I'm healed. I, you know, this is a miracle. I've never felt like this in my entire life. And then something happened. I'm like, oh my gosh, I failed. But then it was realizing that life is not perfect, yeah. that bad things do happen, but it's how you respond, I guess. And I'm not going to say I've responded great every single time I've had those moments. Um, but I think recognizing it sooner, you know, that, you know, everything will get better. 
being able to see like this, this, this shall pass, um, yeah. I feel like has made me feel like I've, like I'm really on my way to healing because honestly, I just got out of treatment in February. Sure. So I know I have a long yeah. way to go. Lori Lee, the difference between realizing the word victim versus victimization. I think if you live as a victim, then it'll be, you'll never be healed. But if you realize, yes, you were victimized in that point in time, right? But in this present moment, you're not a victim, you're a survivor. Um, that little sort of just mental adjustment can, can go a long way. Um, but let me actually answer your question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for me, you know, part of my spiritual work, I've also been a, in a, a spiritual development school for the last nine years is really, and we do a lot of meditation and a lot of different, uh, exercises. Um, but it's really the acknowledgement that what goes on inside of here, for those that are listening and not seeing this, I'm pointing to my brain, <laughs> what goes on inside of here has massive implications to what goes on in the outer world. And what I mean by that is your perception not only is reality, but creates reality. People think, um, you know, this is some, you know, woo-woo. Oh, this he's, you know, trying to invoke the, the secret. That's that film, The Secret. I'm really not, and I'm saying this by experience. I've been there where I've had a certain mindset around something and watch whatever my mindset was. If my mindset was, I'm gonna go out here and fail, then I failed. If my mindset was anything is possible, then I have new discoveries. And uh, for people listening at home, when, if you want to do an interesting a little um, exercise, sit in a room and ask somebody to, let's, I'll just pick yellow. Tell them, look at all the yellow things in the room and, uh, and, and have them close their eyes. And then when they open their eyes, you ask them, okay, tell me where everything blue is. And they won't be able to tell you because the point is You're what you focus on, on is exactly what you see. Right. And, and, and we do the same thing. And so our minds are, are such beautiful and creative uh, instruments. It's a gift and a curse because it can create heaven or mm -hmm. it can create hell. Mm -hmm. It depends on what you do. And that's why waking up early, um, meditation, um, uh, affirmations these things are, are super important looking at yourself in the mirror in the morning directly in the eye and saying certain things that sort of reprogramming in your mind and letting it get into your body and really feeling it those things can literally change your life and literally 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 change your life literally mm -hmm. change your life the inside controls the outside not the other way around and so um yeah that's 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 my answer to that question. That's how I was able to sort of navigate that. I don't know if you've ever done revisioning, but that was one of the amazing things that I did at Sierra Tucson. I guess it's, there's mirror neurons in the back of your brain. And when you look at a mirror and you tell yourself these things, you, you, you really, like, I remember it was, and I've said this so many times, but because it was like, it, my mind just like, I, it just blew my mind how this worked. But I remember I had to draw a picture of my best self. What did that best self look like? And it was a flower. And then I drew a picture of what holds me back from being my best self. And it was 
worrying, my anxiety. And then I had to draw what that looked like. And then it, I drew a cloud and then somehow connected it with water or something. And then I had to say these things that my somatic experiencing therapist was saying, I, you know, hi, worried self. Thank you for helping me, warning me when um, to look into things, if there's something wrong, um, because you are important in my life. And, you know, but I basically kind of looking at how my worrying self really helps me um, be my best self. And I did this exercise and then he said, okay, do it at night, read it, repeat these things and stare at your picture. And then tomorrow morning, wake up and fill out this questionnaire. And it was crazy how certain things, the things that happened from when I had his appointment and the next day, how everything I, I saw was different. Like things that I would worry about, I just checked to see like, Hmm, you know, I had a bad dream that that night and I thought, oh my gosh, my the person in the next room, I had this dream that something really bad happened to her. And I woke up and I couldn't sleep. And, I, you know, usually I would just toss and turn, but I got up and I went to the nurse's station and I said, hey, is this person doing okay? I'm just kind of worried. I don't know why I have this bad feeling. And they said that they checked on her and she was okay. And I was able to go back to sleep as opposed to just kind of tossing and turning um, for the rest of the morning. Um, and from then on, the, my worrying self, I felt was more effective. And I think it was the mirror neurons. And so then I read up more about revisioning and it's, I guess it's the same thing. as just telling yourself in the mirror that everything's going to, you know, saying what you need to hear. And, you know, kind of change that lens, that third eye, that's, you know, what your perspective, what you're focused on, like if I was focused on my trauma or if I'm fo focused on not being good enough, which um, happened a lot, you know, I think that really helped me. You know what the biggest thing we need to tell ourselves in the mirror that a lot of my clients have breakthroughs when we work on this? Can you, can you guess? That they are enough. I love you. Is that it? I love you. I love you. Looking in the mirror and telling yourself directly in the eyes, I love you. Wow. That okay. is, is tough, but that's the part of it. And then there's neuroplasticity and all these things that occur over time um, where you can literally create new pathways mm -hmm. um, with repetitive uh, thoughts and actions. So yeah, no, it's, it's powerful stuff. And People can be healed. You know, people can definitely be healed. And when you just said that, to tell, to look in the mirror and tell myself I love you, for some reason that gave me a little anxiety. Like I was just like, I don't know if I can do that. But it's like, it's just looking in a mirror and just saying it. So just say it, right? Yeah. Well, in the beginning, you just kind of say it and run away. But the, what <laughs> I want with people is to say it and feel it. Really feel it. And take a deep breath while you're doing Deeply, it. deeply feel that, then you're getting somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to do that tonight and tomorrow. And okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do it every day for a week and tell you how I feel. And I feel like, for some reason, I feel like that's going to change. You know why? Because I feel very uncomfortable thinking about doing that. But like you said earlier, you know, growth comes from 
that uncomfort that discomfort if you um, want to go there you got to grow there i love that i feel like i want to use that quote but i'm obviously going to credit you <laughs> <laughs> But I do, before we go, I absolutely want to talk about your podcast, the Truth yes. Prescription Truth Podcast. Prescription. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. The truth will set you free if you let it. That's what I say at the end of each show. Mm. What I found in my own journey was that part of my, and I'm using this term very loosely, problem was I was ignoring a whole lot of truths, truths about what I was feeling, truths about what I liked, truths about what I didn't like, truths about what I like to eat, you know, simple stuff like that. And I was just ignoring everything because I was in so much pain I didn't want to feel. And I realized that when I started accepting certain things in my life, I had massive breakthroughs. And so the truth prescription, I interview successful people and we talk about just that. What were the truths in your life that you were either ignoring or weren't or were not aware of that once you accepted it, you had massive career or personal breakthrough? That's it. That's what we talk about. And I call it the prescription because to me, that's the medicine. That's the medicine. One of the, one of the medicines for success is interfacing with and being comfortable with the truth. Right. I love it. I need to, I, I'm going to check this out because I, I, I completely agree because I, you know, one of the things that held me back was these secrets I had, you know, my trauma that I never wanted to talk about. It held me back. I didn't even realize it was holding me back, you know, and like you said, once I actually said it out loud, the weight that was on me, I literally felt so much lighter, mm. so much lighter. And I think that allowed me to get the treatment that I needed. Yes. So, yes. Uh, you've come a long way. You've come a long way. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've done. And I'm, you. I'm proud that you have this resource for, for people because um, people are in pain and people, people need healing. And um, yeah. you're, you're, part of the, you're part of the healing process. And that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. You know, and I, I can't even tell you how many amazing things that you're doing to help other people. Um, you know, it's just one of those things you talk about to more people about telling their truth and speaking their truth. They're going to get, they're going to, they're going to start their healing process. And, you know, for, I was going to take my secrets to the grave. I was, mm. I thought that I was going to be fine doing that. And yeah. I think a lot of people need to realize that that's they need they need to let the truth set them free. Yeah, they need to let it happen. Yeah, it's gonna listen. It's gonna happen either way. Either you're gonna deal with it, or it's gonna deal with you. Well, that was Dr. Gaither's trauma coach, writer, director, entrepreneur, podcaster, trauma survivor, thriver. <laughs> if you want to learn more about Dr. Seku Gathers please visit my website at tstpodcast.com. That's the letter A, tstpodcast.com. There you can find links to his social media accounts, his podcasts, and Freedom Road. Also, don't forget to follow me on all of my social media accounts, including YouTube, which you can find at the top right-hand side of my homepage, as well as my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash trauma survivor thrivers unite thank you so much for being a part of the conversation i'm laurie lee benstock 
host of a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Take care.